Welcome to the One Stop Shop Podcast. One Stop Shop is Receiptful's weekly podcast with the goal of helping ambitious e-commerce merchants learn from the best. Each episode will have a successful business person tell us their story from their humble beginnings to their triumphs and successes of where they are today. Today we speak with Lisa, CEO of Neil's Yard Remedies. We discuss growing your e-com business to an international scale and gain insight from over 30 years of experience. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. I'm Aliana with Jeff on the line. Jeff, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Good, thank you. Today, our guest is Lisa Costello. She is the CEO of Deals Yard Remedies, the makers of several award-winning organic skincare products. The company had started in the heart of central London in 1981 and has been going strong and getting even better by the day for 35 years now. Lisa, how are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for taking the time to, uh, to join us today. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. <laughs> Thanks. Lisa, if we were to ask somebody who knows you very well, let's say your best friend, about you and what you do, what do you think they would say about you? <laughs> they probably wouldn't be able to describe my day-to-day very well. You know, my day is all over the place. But I think if you boil it down, ultimately what I do is I, um, we sell organic skincare, so we make people feel beautiful. But what do you think they would say about you specifically? Or oh, about what do me you specifically? Think, or what, do you, what would you say about yourself? If you think nobody would be able to describe you really. <laughs> no, I think I, I think that once you get to know me, um, it's pretty obvious. So if yeah, for the people who know me best, they would say that I'm well-traveled. Um, I've spent a lot of time living various places around the world. I'm passionate about my business and what I do. I like to stay active. So I do things like biking and cycling and running. I'm big fan of drinking wine and eating <laughs> a bit of a foodie as well that kind of thing. And that like my business definitely represents who I am and, and is a big part of my day to day. In what way do you think the business represents who you are or like your influence on the business? My influence on the business? Well, I think that, you know, as a business owner, your values are represented in your business. So things like caring where things come from, how we treat the planet, how we treat our bodies, that kind of thing. So really making sure that we're avail- the best products and stuff are available to people to access, whether that's what you're eating, uh, the mattress that you're sleeping on, or in my world, the skincare that you're using on your body. Yeah. So why don't we just start right there? Tell us more about your business and your role in it. So Neil's Yard Remedies, as you said, has been making organic skincare since 1981. We have businesses around the world. So we operate in 20 countries. We have over 80 stores. And as you know, we obviously sell online. So we have over 300 products and we do everything from face care to body care to hair care, cosmetics. We do some food and teas and that kind of thing. And it's really focusing on inner health and outer beauty and just making sure that we do that in the best way possible. So we, for example, you know, we work with women's cooperatives in Kenya to source our frankincense that we use in some of our anti-aging skincare. We harvest roses from... Turkey, where we again we work with the women's cooperative, and we just get those ingredients that are really the best quality available, and we certify them organic wherever possible. And in doing so, you know, we are also acting ethically and making sure that we're really transparent. And we what we've done is created award-winning skincare that it was really you're not compromising on how it feels and how it works for your skin and for your body, and still getting that uh, nice user experience. Okay, it sounds like you have a lot going on can you describe a little bit more sort of the business model that you follow because it sounds like you have both like actual store components and e-commerce components 
Yeah, you bet. So we have stores around the world and then we also sell online. So, you know, skincare is one of those things that you want to touch and feel as you get to know a brand. But as you get a little bit more and more loyal, we also, it's something that we can sell online and it obviously impacts our distribution. So you can have a further reach and this is 2016. People are pretty comfortable using the internet. So it's it's pretty commonplace these days to go online, order something and then receive it in the next couple of days. And then if we take us back to the very beginning then, how and why did the business even get started? So back in 1981, it was very much an apothecary sort of style. So a woman named Romy Fraser started it in the heart of Covent Garden. She started mixing ingredients together really to fight against the chemical approach to skincare and wellness that the world had started to go towards. And she was able to do that using just ingredients that happen naturally on earth. And really, it's amazing how much you can do with those kind of things without having to involve synthetic ingredients or or those kind of you know chemicals that may have harm to our health long and short term. And over time, it's just, it's evolved into, um, you know, it's still got those apothecary roots. We still call it the art of herbal science, but it's it's now become the global leader in the set in the retail of organic skincare. And what sort of drew you to this industry specifically? So I've always been passionate about health and really, you know, what we put on our bodies and in our bodies. And I was actually living in London at a time when I think, you know, Europe is is pretty far ahead, I think, in many ways of their perspective on sustainability. And it was really a selfish desire. Just, you know, I wanted to make sure that what I was putting on my skin was working, but I also wanted to make sure that, you know, I care about where the ingredients come from and what's in those products. So, you know, I, I think it, it, it really <laughs> was one of those selfish things where I thought, you know, I this is something I need to be involved with. I found a product that actually works and it's something that I could talk about all day long. I'm passionate about what decisions are we making. So that, you know, starts with food for many people, you know, looking at the ingredients in our food and what we put in our bodies and then thinking like, okay, well, what are we putting on our bodies? And then I think we should even, you know, take that a step further. What what mattress are we sleeping on? Where's our furniture being made? You know, what kind of toxins are we using in our everyday life that we can eliminate and really just think a little bit more about our supply chain? And, you know, beauty and making women feel beautiful is really the part for me that I most identify with and I want everybody to have access to that. So, you know, I think it's one of those things, if you can be passionate about your job, then I think you are one of the luckiest people in the world. What is your best-selling product? Best-selling product would definitely be the Wild Rose Beauty Balm. So (laughs) this is uh, one of our, it's like a sort of 10-in-1. You can use it for everything from a facial wash to a moisturizer. You can use it under makeup for a bit of a radiant glow. You can use it, you know, on your nails. You can use it in your hair if you're feeling a bit dry. You can put it on your elbows. You can really use it in so many different ways. And I think that's what really draws people to it is it's multi-purpose, but also the fact that it's it just like it gives women this beautiful glow and it smells phenomenal as well. How many attempts did it take to get to this product? Oh, this product's been around much longer than I have. It's We actually just celebrated its 10-year anniversary. So I think everything that we do is continually examined for quality to make sure we're using the best ingredients possible with the best research out there. So reformulations have happened, but this one's been around for 10 years and has just, uh, yeah, continues to blow people's minds. So 
Yeah, I love the fact that you have such a, an awesome scope at the longevity of the business. How do you find early indicators for products that are just going to be amazing? Like what things are you looking for? When we develop products? Yeah, let's say, uh, for example, for the business owners that are out there, maybe they have a product or something and, and they just don't have as much experience or, or maybe they're struggling with finding their sort of niche product or their best products. What kind of advice or tips could you give them on what to look for? Like based on maybe selling patterns and that type of thing. How do we direct customers to products? No, more like, well, I mean, I, I guess I suppose I'll let you answer it how you think it'd be best. So you take any of the stuff that you're selling and maybe you come out with a new product. How do you know mm-hmm. if we're going to keep it, that's going to do well, that's going to do mediocre, that's going to be a blockbuster? Like what kind of indicators early on do you look for or find? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different trends in the marketplace that we watch. And, you know, obviously for us, it's very much concern driven. So when somebody comes into the store, we can usually sort of group them into concerns like, is your skin feeling extra dry? Are you more worried about aging? Is it redness or spots? That kind of thing. And so when you are in touch with your customer, I think that's a really good way to to, to sort of follow the trends. And, you know, obviously new studies come out. So a relevant one, there was recently a documentary published on the benefits of myrrh. So the myrrh essential oil has been flying off the shelves. So I think part of it is, you know, just sort of watching what's going on out there, but staying in touch with your customer and really finding out what are their concerns and what's, you know, and the beauty industry obviously is is definitely connected to the media. So what are people using? What are people saying? Green beauty is very much a, a trending topic right now. Um, and studies on frankincense, you know, we've seen various studies coming out with, you know, cancer linking or, you know, the, its ability to fight cancer and that sort of thing. So I think it's, you know, we have some phenomenal people on on this team who really know organic and natural ingredients and really can direct those to, you know, the products that we're using. And, you know, and a lot of it comes from watching bigger companies and that sort of thing. But again, I think it really just comes down to like listening to your customers and hearing what they have to say about about their concerns. Mm-hmm. And our product, our product depth is pretty, we have a lot of products. So it's really, you know, for us, it's pretty easy to see where there's gaps in our product offering. Can you tell the difference between things that are just trendy, like you said, versus the, the, the items that are evergreen? I think you can. And, and with Neo's Eardermonies, we focus less on that sort of trendy thing. And we just create a phenomenal product that works. So vitamin C has been all the rage recently for in- enhancing people's glow and their complexion. But, you know, we have vitamin C that naturally occurs in most of our products and, and you don't necessarily, it's not just the vitamin C in our products that would create that glow that people are looking for. So, you know, I think we're less about advertising in the moment and about really creating a long lasting phenomenal product that works so that you don't have to be trendy or that's not true. I mean, of course we want to be trendy, but so that you're not creating a product that has a shorter lifespan. Our products are something that stick around for many years. Lisa, you touched on being in touch with the customers, and I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you guys have different stores around the world, correct? Mm-hmm. So, we do. So for our listeners who are selling probably you know, solely online, what ways do you guys keep in touch with these customers and, and get their feedback when it comes to you know, your products for somebody who may not be able to actually meet their customers in person and interact with them on that level? Yeah, I think it's amazing how much you can really get to know your online customers, for example, you know, just even whether it's a chat function on your website or opening up feedback to them. So, for example, we actually do use the Receiptful app and allow customers to 
give us feedback. You know, it could be as simple as like, yes, I was happy with my experience. Or in some cases, they're a lot more wordy and they, you know, they'll give us some feedback on whether it's the product or the checkout experience or, you know, how they were the condition of the product when they received it, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So you can, you know, that's sort of leaving it in their hands. We try and engage with our customers also, like social media is really important. I think, and really finding ways to connect with people. So it's, it is demonstrating your product, but it's also finding ways to connect with them. So running contests online, that sort of thing, asking questions. It's amazing how much if you ask a question, people will answer it. Mm-hmm. And then through the shipping process even. So we have touch points there. So it's possibly including like a little thank you card and a handwritten note from whoever packaged that product up when it got shipped out. Mm-hmm. Including samples is a really relevant way for us to stay in touch with our customers and to learn about them you know, to sort of, and those samples that we include are personalized. So if you've ordered something from the oily skincare range, maybe we'll include a product that wasn't included in your order. Obviously, analytics are a great way to do it. So you can learn a lot from a customer, where are they located and, you know, in within the country, how often are they ordering? Is there a way you can link their ordering cycle to sales or to different products and that sort of thing? So there's a hundred different ways to stay in touch with your customer when you're not physically operating a store for them to interact with you face-to-face. Um, have you had a chance to actually install our feedback widget? We just released it probably a couple of days ago. And uh, I know a ton of stores are still, you know, working through the process or maybe, you know, they're familiarizing themselves with it. But, you know, you've mentioned the feedback feature on Receiptful. That we had it for, for a long time. We had the feedback module that you can add to your emails. But then, mm-hmm. you know, we, we got a lot of feedback from our users telling us that, you know, they wanted to have an easier way of getting this feedback or testimonials on their website. So we've actually just released a widget that will allow you to post that feedback automatically onto your website. So, you know. Yeah, I actually just saw that email come through this morning. So it's not something we've had a chance to dig into too much, but that is a recurring conversation in the organization is to make sure that feedback and testimonials are prevalent on our website. And so, you know, that includes places like reviews of our products on each individual product page, but also, you know, when you first land on the site, directing people to, that gives them confidence when they're buying online because they don't have that, you're not building trust the same way when they walk into a store, but if they can see testimonials and real life people and words representing a product, that's third party validation that you, you know, you can't buy that. That's worth a lot. I want to ask you a question about something that happened before you joined the company like a long time ago. But, you know, you might be able to tell us a little bit about it. So the company had started in 1981. And then four years later, it launched in Japan. And if I'm not mistaken, this was the first, like the second country that it launched in after the UK, correct? So can you tell us a little bit about that? And like, why Japan? And and how did this get started? And and what can you tell us about it? I mean, I probably know less about the Japanese launch. I uh, I spend my time in Canada. But the Japanese expansion really came out of a friendship between Romy, who started the business, and a friend of hers, Kenji, who who still owns the business there. It's still family-owned over there in Japan to this day. And I think it was an opportunity for them to, you know, grow the business in a really organic way, true to our values. Mm -hmm. Okay. And in in 1988, just a couple years or three years after that, they stocked the UK's first certified organic essential oils from France. Now, I'm not going to ask you, you know, too many details about that. But, you know, what I want to ask you is when somebody is a pioneer, like you guys bringing a new, you know, I don't want to use the word trend, but really it's something new that people were not used to before. Like, how do you know that your customers are 
ready for it. You know what I mean? Like the market is actually ready for this quote unquote trend or if it's not too ahead of its time. Well, I think the nice thing about us is that we we work in small batches. So, you know, if we bring something in, we we bring it in for a purpose and it's often because people are asking for it. And so, for example, sandalwood is something that we're hoping to source down the road. It's, it's a really hard one to do sustainably, but we know people are asking for it. And I think that's where it is just staying in touch with your customers and opening up the door for them to, to tell you what they're looking for. Again, you can get a lot of that online. So even within your own website and the search terms that people are using. So I think products, new product launches and, you know, the certifying of a product of or, as organic it is part of the values of the business and therefore something that, you know, if you have an existing customer base, they're going to grasp onto. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, part of that, if it's maybe something they're not quite ready for or not really familiar with, the education piece is is really phenomenal. And I think that's what does set Neil's yard apart in many ways is the skills and the background of many of our staff qualified as practitioners in their own ways. So maybe it's a Reiki practitioner, a nutritionist. And, being able to provide that information to them. And again, you're t- how do you provide that? Well, you're looking back at your social media, you're looking at your website and the communication on it, even the label that you're putting there in front of the customer as they purchase a product is usually something that we've identified as a need in the market. And, and you know, your staff can direct them to that or, or your website will direct them to it. Mm-hmm. So as we continue down your history, around 1992, uh, Niels Yard launched their mail catalog. And then in 1993, you moved to a larger unit in London. Before that move, how were you guys operating? Where were you before? I'm actually not the best person to talk to about that. Again, it was just well before my time. So the catalog is something that we still operate with. We still have the home selling consultants in the US and in the UK. But I think by then the business was just large enough that it required more space to formulate the products. You know, the stores had started growing. We had business growing in Japan and it was just time to sort of take the next step and become that larger business. Quick question. So remind me one more time, what year did you join uh, the company? I joined in 2012. Okay, 2012. All right. So have you been using the same platform online um, since 2012 or have you changed to a different platform for the website? We've been using the same platform. Which one is that? We use Shopify. Shopify. Okay. Is it Shopify or Shopify Plus? Shopify, I think. Is it Shopify. Okay. All right. How has it been in your experience for our listeners who are probably contemplating maybe they don't have Shopify or maybe they don't have an e-commerce store? What can you tell them about the platform and, and you know how it helped you in your business? Or maybe you can also tell them about any challenges that you'd like them to know about. I think the selection of a platform is a really important decision. And when you need to sort of, you need to understand your own business and what you need out of it. We've by and large enjoyed Shopify. I mean, we, in 2012, it was even a new platform. It was in its growth phase for sure and still is. But I like, you know, the ease of use, the interaction. I like the, you know, the app that you can have on your phone. So you can sort of be running your business from anywhere and, you know, your ability to modify it or to use templates that they've got. The the different apps and the plugins that we've been able to use are nice and, you know, they're user-friendly and, you know, the population of those apps continues to grow. And Shopify continues to work on different areas of their own service that uh, have, you know, made a big difference for us. I think, you know, Shopify was, we liked the way that it integrated with the payment gateway. We liked the you know, the e-commerce focus of it. And it's, it's actually been, um, yeah, quite a good decision for us and something that we're happy to continue running. 
So uh, do you have someone uh, specifically taking care of the, the website or is it sort of like, you know, everyone basically pitching in? Everybody has a role to play in the management of the website. So, you know, obviously you have your technical pieces, uh, you have your creative components, your marketing team is, is involved in things like the product descriptions, you know, analysts helping with sales, like as product features change and that sort of things. It's with as sales change monthly or, or product focus changes monthly, you're developing new collections, you know, you're relating products that are similar and sort of and providing those for people so you know the management of a website I think is a really multifaceted approach and it's something that everybody needs to be involved with in order to you know like we've been talking about communicate with your customer in the most effective way and make that experience for them shopping online as seamless as possible I'm really interested it seems like you have so much going on the scope of Neil's yard is just huge how do you stay organized and how do you prioritize things on a day-to-day basis (laughs) Good question. I think flexibility for me is really key. So the ability for me to work anywhere. So that means maybe it's in one of the stores. That means maybe I'm in London. You know, maybe you know, we have an office as well. For us, it's important. Everything's been cloud-based and that was by design so that we can be working anywhere. Communication is a big part of it. So, you know, not being afraid to pick up the phone and call somebody if you need an answer. We're a family-based business or family-owned business. So, you know, you obviously have like family time and work time and that's, you know, can be a complicating factor. And um, I'm a fan of a notebook, old-fashioned, I know, but (laughs) I love, you know, I just, you're on the go all the time and it's something that I think it does help you to just keep those thoughts that happen to pass through your mind relevant and make sure that they get addressed so you don't forget something. What about you personally? How do you determine, like, I need to get this done today? Like, what does that decision process look like? I'm a huge fan of calendar entries. So planning my day is really important. Before I sort of wrap up one day, I try and plan out my next day. I'm a constant list maker and sort and rolling that list forward. So I don't like, you know, something, if I haven't got something done, it definitely needs to stay on the list for the next day and scheduling that time in. And and I still manage my own calendar. It's something that is, is important to me, gives me an element of control over my day and, you know, makes, then I can sort of schedule time in to make sure I'm not forgetting those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And then how much time do you feel like you actually, because I, I like to get the full perspective, how much time do you feel like you mm-hmm. actually spend per week on the business? Well, I think as a business owner, there is very little differentiation between work and personal because my work is an extension of of me and and we share the values of the organization. So even when, you know, if I'm out at an event, I still look at that as as business, even though I may be there for pleasure because I'm there representing Neil's Yard Remedies. And so, you know, when I'm out there, there is always an aspect of networking or building relationships. And if people haven't heard of the store or the business directing them to it, and I think there's an interesting story behind it. So it is something that people are interested in. So I, I think I probably spend more time now working than I probably ever have, but it doesn't always feel like work. So at an event, even though it may be personal, I'm you know still building the business. So I don't know. I, I don't think I could even try and put a number of hours on what my work week really is. Okay. No, that's fair. So this one you should be able to speak to. Around 2011 and 12, it seems like Neil's Yard had a pretty aggressive expansion between launching a mobile site and expanding into several new countries. What prompted mm-hmm. this decision? Actually, let's give it a little context. Why don't you tell us kind of the ways that you expanded and then what prompted the decision? 
Okay. Well, I think, I mean, Neil's Yard at that point had been around for a long time. In the UK, had been purchased by the Kindersley family. And it was really just time to grow the business and, and really turn it into something more. And I think the world at that point was ready for organic and has really started to adopt sort of this green movement. And so we moved into new countries. We, you know, developed a home-based business in the U.S., like opened up stores in Canada and that sort of thing. And it's always been through partnerships. And we grew the international team in the U.K., which has been responsible for the growth in the other countries. Do you view that move and that transition as a success? I think so. I mean, we're still worldwide a growing business and and you have to obviously take chances and try different things. But I think that the success and the number of, you know, we view success as the number of stores and the revenue growth as a company overall and then at each individual country level. And I think that's, you know, where we are. Yeah, we're doing well and you're not going to do it perfectly, (laughs) of course. You're going to make mistakes along the way. But by and large, I think that Neil's Yard is becoming a really well-known global brand in the organic skincare market. So yeah, for sure. And in, in, in the partnerships and the you know, and the relationships that we've been able to create over the years with our suppliers and within all the different markets. So, yeah, definitely a success. Lisa, I should have asked you this question in the beginning, but what did you do before joining the company in 2012? I'm actually a chartered accountant, so I was working with Ernst & Young and, yeah, just decided that it was time for me to make make a move and do something that I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. So I left EY and from a role that had very much an oil and gas big business, you know, like auditing financial statements sort of role. And yeah, made a leap to something that I'm much more passionate about. You know, I'm thrilled to have that background as a chartered accountant, because I think that the the skills and the ability to look at a business kind of critically and, and have those strategic experiences, you know, from my, my past career is invaluable in running this business. And but Definitely unusual. <laughs> yeah. And and what would you say are the biggest lessons you've learned since uh, 2012, since you've moved to this new position, you know, in e-commerce? The biggest, I think, you know, I, I always joke that, you know, when I first left there to, to join Neil's Yard, I was leaving an organization that was massive, um, had huge reach. Everything was about policy and procedure and sign-offs and approvals and that sort of thing. And joined an organization that was much smaller where, you know, it was more about getting something done than having to go through like approvals and sign off. So that was definitely a a major switch in my thinking. And, you know, there's still a need for policy and procedure and that sort of thing. But really, the focus had to be on getting stuff done. That was definitely a switch. You know, I was working with my sister and my cousin at the time, and it was like, you know, (laughs) less worried about sign offs there than you would be, you know, in, in an organization where you're auditing massive company financial statements all day long. You know, I think, even just the ability to and the confidence to go out and and represent and sell the business and be you know business development has been a huge lesson everything i do you know i'm linked to neil's yard so having the confidence to speak to that every day and to really represent the business has been a huge lesson you know i love thinking creatively and i think that you know that was a major super valuable for me in in the switch so not only looking at financial statements, but also thinking about marketing and new ways to reach customers and, you know, gaining that sort of knowledge of the ingredients and what do they do and, you know, how to talk to customers and that sort of thing has been a big learning lesson. And then just you learn that you can find a way to do anything. You know, I think that 
often we we sort of tunnel vision and we think, you know, in, in a typical job, this is, no, that's not really my job or that's not really my problem. But really, as a business owner, everything becomes your problem and everything becomes your job. So it's opening up your mind and, and making sure you're communicating with people, but also, you know, just knowing that you can probably solve any problem you need to. You can figure it out, right? Yeah, every, we can all figure it out. Sometimes we don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> any other parting thoughts for the business owners that are listening now? I think, you know, if sometimes like it gets hard, you know, I I love my job and I wouldn't change what I do in an instant. But I think sometimes you just need to remember that, you know, there's going to be challenging days, but that if you're if you've set up your business with your values in mind, it's an extension of you. Like just, I think, keep at it, you know, find, try different things, find a way to make it work. And, you know, when you have a bad day, when it's your own business, it's personal, you know, it's harder to walk away at the end of the day, close the door to your office and and say, okay, it's fine. But, you know, I think everything has a cycle and just keep at it really is, is my advice. Where can we find out more about you and your company? I'm on LinkedIn. So you can find me there at Lisa Costello. There's a little bit of information within the company website. You can go to neozeroremedies.ca. You can find a little bit at neozeroremedies.com as well. Yeah, those are probably the best places to do it. And then you can reach out to me through our website as well. Yeah, Thank you. This was a, a very interesting interview. You definitely, uh, I love the confidence that you brought to it and uh, just <laughs> the, the information and insights you're able to share with our audience. Thank you. It was great speaking with you. Thank you. Thanks, Nita. Yeah, thanks for your time. Have thanks. a great day. One Stop Shop is a production of Receiptful. Learn how to personalize and tailor every interaction with your customer by visiting Receiptful.com. This podcast was produced in partnership with Come Alive Creative. For help building, improving, and marketing your e-commerce store, visit ComeAliveCreative.com. To listen to more episodes from this series, you can visit Receiptful.com forward slash podcast. Or if you want to give us a rating on iTunes, Receiptful.com forward slash iTunes. Oh,